What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe here in Portland, Oregon. This has become one of my favorite local hangs because they have free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and Sunday afternoons 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. They are located in inner southeast Portland and not only do they offer free music on their their large patio setup, but they've also got a killer brunch menu from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. The French toast and the breakfast sandwich are lights out. And I can't really do much alcohol personally, but I love their Virgin Bloody Marys. And they've got some other mocktails for folks like me as well. And they're always rotating in new seasonal cocktails. So come through and check out what they've got on deck for fall and winter down there. The patio is now nice, covered and heated and will be throughout the fall and winter so come through and big thanks to produce row for sponsoring this episode of the podcast What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program. Once again, if this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so, and that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast, all that good stuff, and just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing. So appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do that. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. 
Tell a friend about the podcast if you're digging it. You can find the episodes on Spotify now. It's all up to date there. I've also been dropping some monthly playlists on Spotify. So I'll put the link for the Spotify profile in the episode notes as well. And earlier this week, I updated all the Apple Music playlists as well. So everything that was available on Spotify playlist-wise, those monthlies and those genre-specific playlists are now all available on Apple Music as well. So I'll put the link for the Apple profile in the episode notes as well. Excited to get into episode 304, Django, a rapper out of Spokane, Washington, is on the podcast this week. I got to see Django perform at last year's Tree Fort back in September. Tree Fort 9 there in Boise, Idaho. And it was one of the performances that definitely stuck with me. So I was excited when I saw that Django was on the lineup for this year's Tree Fort and had the opportunity to get to to chat with him while I was there a few weeks back in Boise. We recorded this in the lobby of the, the Artist and Press Lounge building at Tree Fort. And that, that's just kind of like one of the fun challenges about trying to record interviews or podcasts out at festivals is locking down places to record them as well as finding time to record with the artists as they're running around trying to check into their different sets and you know load in times and whatnot so sometimes you got to be flexible and just go with the flow and record out in front of people in a public space so this is uh Django and I chopping it up in the lobby and it was just cool to chat with him just another dude that just has infectious energy and I had a great time talking with him about how he got into creating music and just getting a further understanding of where his uh, head is at process wise and where all his drive comes from so I appreciate him giving me some of his time at Tree Fort dude does not lie about what he pours into his live performance. He was out there stage diving once again at Tree Fort. This dude started a circle pit at the reef. That was crazy. It was just, uh, yeah, definitely one of the the memorable experiences and, and sets that I saw out there in Boise once again. And uh, he's got a lot of music in the chamber ready to be released. So if you enjoy this conversation and the tunes featured, make sure to give Django a follow and uh, I really got to up my anime game. I feel like rappers are often disappointed in my lack of anime knowledge and it it happened once again during this conversation. (laughs) Django gave me a pass though. He wasn't wasn't pressing me too hard about it but uh, yeah a lot of fun talking with this dude. If you're uh, local to the Portland Oregon area make sure come through Produce Row Cafe in southeast portland free music going on every sunday over there from 5 p.m to 7 p.m djs spinning vinyl most of the time over there so you can uh you can tap into that and every thursday night as well got music going on over there it is uh 6 to 8 p.m thursday nights through april and then in May, it'll move to 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. You can catch the Jeff Chilton Trio there every first Thursday at Produce Row Cafe. I'll put the links in the episode notes for all the sponsors so you can keep up with those fine folks. Hope everybody is doing well out there. 
I am rounding the corner on recovering from finally getting COVID. And it's been more than two weeks now, I guess. And it's uh, it's a bummer, but feeling decent. Hoping within the next uh, week or so that I start feeling a little closer to 100%. Because I'm about to hit the road again here very soon with another band from the uh, the upper left from Seattle, Washington, High Pulp, which is honestly just like really wild that I get to uh, hit the road with one of my favorite bands and just some people that I consider to be like a family. I've known these people for a really long time and including uh, my cousin who is the, the drummer in the band, but I've had the opportunity to really watch their uh their group grow over these last four or five years and was at some of the early rehearsals and and jams for this thing so it's very cool to see uh how things have shaken out very excited for them if you're listening to this on the 15th of april it is the uh high pulp album release their first record on anti records is out now so you can uh you can tap into that and you can uh find myself and them on the road these last couple weeks of april and then the entire month of may we are going all over there's a bunch of places that i have never been to in the states so i'm very excited to be uh my my first real east coast trip and going to new york we'll be doing something that i love to do and i'm just incredibly grateful that the band is giving me this opportunity to uh take on the role as as tour manager it's just honestly just like one of those uh it's a trip i've always enjoyed any opportunity that i've had to be out on the road whether it was for music stuff with bands or if it's traveling around for other work road trips i just feel very comfortable being out it just kind of feels right to me i guess and there's something exciting to me about going to a new place every day and getting to see places maybe that I've never been before and to kind of get to do that because of music I think is a a pretty special thing to me always dreaming of uh, doing a lot of touring as a kid and kind of getting my feet wet doing it a little later in my life than I thought and uh, I think that maybe even makes it cooler for me because I'm just so appreciative of it and it's so fun just kind of hanging on the bus and understanding the the different personality dynamics especially when you're traveling around with nine people the high pulp crew is is deep there's seven in the band and then you got me and you got phil the the video dude so it's uh it's a lot of fun i'm super pumped for it and I'll be keeping y'all updated. I'm going to drop a little uh, tour diary episode every week or every other week. Just either myself just uh, reflecting on the travels for the week or maybe myself hanging with some of the pulp crew. Have them jump on the mics here and there. Not really sure how it will uh, all shake out, but definitely want to find some uh, some different ways to document it so I don't just like ramble for 15 minutes at the beginning of each episode, updating people on uh, where I'm at and uh, what's been going on. So check out the, uh, the high pulp link will be in the episode notes so you can keep up with all of the tour dates, Midwest, East Coast, coming your way. I'll be meeting the band in Austin, Texas, 
on April 25th. And uh, yeah, one of the big highlights of the uh, the tour is going to be that Norman Music Festival on April 30th. I'm so excited to go to Oklahoma. I've always heard really cool things about that festival since starting this podcast and known some people that are from that area. So that's really exciting for me to kind of get some uh, better understanding of where some of those folks come from. So that's awesome. See, this is why I can't talk about it in detail because I just get I get so excited and uh, I'm just rambling once again. So we're going to get into this thing. Episode 304 from Spokane, Washington, Django is on the podcast. Big thanks to Django once again for uh, talking with me. Big thanks to his manager, Riker, for linking me up with him so we could uh, make this thing happen. And we're going to kick it off with uh, a track that we talk about a bit in this conversation. It's one of my favorites of Django's that's currently available. It's called Espresso. Let's do the damn thing. you and i got to the opportunity to see you perform here last year at tree oh, fort and that was, was a rager and i knew who you were coming into it um i've been living in portland oregon for the last 10 years or so so I, i've gotten to kind of hear your name in the pacific northwest oh, swing yeah. of things so it was cool to to finally get to see you perform last year live here in boise and the uh the energy that you bring to a live show, man, is is very impressive and so engaging to watch just the nonstop energy, too, that you bring yeah. track to yeah. track. So let's just start there and talk to me about uh, where where all that energy comes from and uh, how important that is for you to have that outlet in your life. Um, so not only is it important, well, I'll start here. Being from the upper left of the Pacific Northwest, um, it's hard not to be inspired by a lot of the, like the rock, the punk, and the grunge energy that we got here. You know what I mean? You got the Nirvanas, you got the Alice in Chains, even like the Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. And most people don't even realize they came from over there, right? right? And so, with that being said, like I, I, I 
growing up here, um, I was always infatuated by like punk performers and how like how very eccentric they were and how like not even like flamboyant but very, kind of flamboyant for lack of a better word you know what I'm saying they were very out there and that was something that I, I really wanted to like embody in myself because like my life stage performance is kind of like self-inspection I'm wild I'm always out there I'm the first to talk to people I'm the first to say hi hello so that was just something I wanted to translate to other people and then when I started to realize that people loved it and they get that energy back, it just became this kind of like pinball effect. Like, yeah. We'll just keep fucking going until we're all tired. You know what I mean? <laughs> the show doesn't stop until everybody's fucking sweating, we're exhausted, and we had a great-ass time. And yeah. so to me, I think the best shows are the ones where everyone's just wild the fuck out. Like not only am I like inspired by like the rock punk and, and like the grunge and like the Northwest area, but like performers like Michael Jackson, like the 90s, the 80s had – you couldn't get on the stage unless your performance was extremely tight, unless it was extremely like infectious to the people. So, being an old school soul, like it's just something I embody in myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like really about bringing a performance element to Absolutely. it as much as like bringing Absolutely. the raw emotion into it. Not even just in the performance, an experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's something again, like performers, like a lot of punk artists, to give you an experience. Like you hear their music, and it's one thing, but when they perform it, it's something entirely different. Like I want people to love my music because they see me perform. Yeah. Most people, most of my fans, love my music because they see me perform it. It was like nothing else. Yeah, I mean, I think that's like, it was cool for that to be my entry point to to see the live show yeah. first. Yeah. You know, before that makes getting you go more. Back. Yeah. You know before I mean? getting like acquainted with the recorded music yeah. to be able to, to bring, you know, what I saw there into like my listening experience later. Yeah. And yeah, that, that performance element that you're talking about and that energy is just kind of undeniable, right? When you see something where, you know, the people on stage are giving every thing that they've got everything, you, it's I mean, hard to walk away from that. Not, not feeling like you witnessed something or period, especially like when I, if I travel, I feel like I have something else more to prove. Like it's a way game. So like, I feel like I gotta, <laughs> I gotta show, I gotta give you all the tricks, anything in my bag. I gotta like really like expose all that and make you go, Whoa. Cause I can't come here tomorrow and talk to you about it. So I gotta make sure like motherfuckers want to talk about it for a whole year. Here we are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And so do you feel like when you, are doing a show outside of the Pacific Northwest, Spokane, Seattle, specifically that you do bring a different mentality or you are like approaching the show any differently as far as, you know, what you're going to put in the set list to try to grab these people or do you try to just go with whatever you're feeling? Um, I, I do curate my set list depending on like what I believe the environment or the crowd is like begging for like Boise, Idaho. I feel like you guys are more into rock than even the Pacific Northwest is. In, in some elements, I think you guys, I'll say it like this, you guys are less into hip hop than like the Pacific Northwest is, in my opinion. Boise, Idaho, or just like Idaho in general. So for me, like I'll like make sure I have a little bit more rock-centric stuff, just a little bit more of that essence when I'm performing here versus other places. And like, we'll say like Seattle, like I got the merchandise song with Sam Chow. Yeah. I'm gonna bring Sam Chow to Seattle. I can't do that here, you know what right, I mean? Right, right. So I might not even play the merchandise song because it might not be what everyone likes or even is thinking about, you know what I mean? So yeah, it all, it, I do a great job curating. I like, that's kind of like part of it, yeah. Yeah, but growing up in like the Spokane area and being around the punk scene and, and all of that, do you think it was kind of hard to not adopt that kind of DIY mentality as well that seems to like run 
run deep within those scenes and kind of like putting together your own shows and forming your own community? Um, I think at the time when I was um, first starting to perform and like doing my shows and stuff, I wasn't necessarily as aware of like the punk and the rock scene as I, I maybe I should have been. You know what I mean? I um and I already had like the DIY mindset, so I think for me it was like a happy like blend that I just happened to be in a city where people already do that and they already like begging that. Um, at the time in Spokane, the hip hop scene was very um it wasn't as present as it is now. You know what I mean? We're definitely growing. We still have a lot of room to grow, but now I'm glad to say we have pillars. We have education coming. We have artists who are not hobbyists. They're career artists in Spokane who are, you know, laying the groundwork in for, for a path. You know what I mean? They got artists like me who are bridging that path from Spokane to Seattle, Spokane to Boise. Me being one of the first um, hip-hop artists to kind of like enter into this tree for a music festival from Spokane is a big thing to me. It means our city is expanding. Our awareness yeah. of our city is expanding and people are starting to um, appreciate what we have to offer. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah, t take me back, Django. Take me to like early days of like, what's your entry point into music, man? Oh my man? lord! Well, I'll start start way back. Um, I definitely, as far as like, what made me want to love listening to music. My mom used to always sing to me when I was a kid. She used to sing like the Roots, um, the Fugees. I remember just like really being into soul and R and B music. So like that gave me an emotional tie to music and frequencies and sounds and then um my grandpa put me on jay-z we were playing uh um golden eye 007 <laughs> on the nintendo yeah. 64 yeah. and he starts playing this jay-z records hard knock life <laughs> and i'm just like what like yo what is this because i'm i'm always i'm super into rhymes i'm super into intricate patterns and yeah. dope flows like you'll hear it in my music i'm i i don't copy paste other people's flows all my flows are my own so hearing that kind of like was something that was always ingrained in me I forever loved hip-hop after that now getting into like when I started rapping and stuff my younger brother my younger brother's always been the more adventurous one I, I definitely have been more adventurous but he's been like the I'm just gonna go against the grain and try new shit and yeah. do some our family's never done before so we'd go to house parties and stuff I think I was like 16 17 he's like just a year and a half younger than me so he's like 15 16. we go to these parties and he'd be rap battling people so of course i'm like i'm like i'm like his plus one i'm like the homie i'm like yeah yeah you can you can be my brother blah, 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 you know shit. and so from there he went from rap battling to then wanting to get his own equipment which i supported i helped pay for some of the equipment and started um we shared the same room till i was like 19. So he'd be writing all the time, and I started jumping in, writing too. Duh, 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 duh. Or I used to um, just give him, I'd be like, yo, you should use this word, you should think about this. He's like, you should write. So I just started writing, writing. I'd feature on like half his songs. And then I got a little older, you know, 19, 20, and moved out on my own and got my own equipment and started making songs. And at first, at that time, I was just a hobbyist. I just, it really, it fulfilled me in a way I've never been fulfilled before. I've done sports. I was a state champion. I'm not state champion wrestler, but I placed in state for wrestling multiple times. And um, this was a different thrill. This was a different high, especially when I touched the stage. Like the idea of having people um, repeat back your words or rap or like understand your words and appreciate your thoughts and ideas was like, man, you're getting me on a totally different level. You know what I mean? So it became a high that I was addicted to. Um, 
2017, I got blessed with the opportunity to meet my manager, now my manager, Riker. I met her in 2016, but in 2017, January 1st, I quit my job and, and promised myself I would never go back to 9 to 5. And I was all in ever since then. I dropped the, my first record, Alone by Choice, March 21st, which just had my five-year anniversary, man. Yeah, man. It's been crazy. <laughs> Yeah, life was good, and from there, like once I dropped that record, we we've never looked back. We've been growing and expanding, and just pushing the name ever since on an independent level with a team. I got the management, um, my manager, my business manager, Bray. I got my own personal lights guy now. I got my own personal in-house producer, um, DJ, and we've been really just building our team from the ground up to be like sufficient and efficient, like on our own. You know what I mean? It's a really important thing I think for us, especially coming out the PNW, where like this scene wasn't necessarily recognized. I think it's really important for us to like put our own stamp on the ground. Cause when that spotlight does come and people are like, yo, what's out here? We'll be ready to present ourselves and get that distribution and push yeah. our brand even further. For sure. And do you find that it's important to you as well to to stay rooted in Spokane and, and not try to like move out of that that area into like a bigger market and just keep trying to develop that community to some degree as well? I think right now, definitely we have ideas of staying based in the Spokane, but we're always thinking of expansion. Like I'm not going to allow my brand ever to be, like I don't want the idea of people going, oh, oh, he's just a Spokane rapper. Duh, duh, duh. Like I want my music, I want my brand, I want my ideas to feel yeah. bigger than Spokane or bigger than life. And that's why like you see with the features, like I don't necessarily have any Spokane features at the moment. Um, all of my features that I have done, I have, barely any have been like Seattle features because we're right. expanding. I want to be able to push the name while also expanding into different markets and, and laying the groundwork to be bigger than that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I definitely, like, my roots will always be Spokane. I'll always have a home in Spokane, but, yeah. Yeah, and do you, uh, is it important for you to try to develop, you know, community where there is more hip-hop and rap shows going on or at least more of that going on than when you were growing up or absolutely. when you were first getting started absolutely i think my very first thing i want to do um non-profit right i want to create an all-age venue that also doubles up as a place for like education it also doubles up as a place for like people can record and like the younger the youth can record and start like developing these traits because like for me i was never aware that was even a thing or where i could go like it, it would be weird for me in high school to be like, yo, I'm going to rap or like, yeah. I'm going to make music. That was just odd. You know what I mean? To be a creator, to be an entrepreneur, to be independent in high school, just in Spokane wasn't necessarily a thing. You know what I mean? And so I want to like push the boundaries of what people can do. Cause I feel like there's a lot of talent, excuse me, there's a lot of talent, but it's misrepresented in a place like Spokane just because of how we, the resources. So yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely big for me to like, lay that groundwork to allow like the youth and other people after me to like really be able to develop their skills. Yeah. Super important. When did you start feeling a little more confident in the stuff that you were writing and kind of like ready to present it to people, you know, outside of maybe jumping into a freestyle or just when, when random opportunities were I'm, happening around you? I'm not going to hold you. I, um, my younger brother was making music. You know what I'm saying? Like, think about that. Think about your younger brother doing something that's super cool. I'm like, oh, I can do this. Automatic. So for me, I um, I must have spent 
six, seven, eight months developing. Like I dropped, or he dropped the song and it featured me. He didn't even tell me. And so that was kind of like, I didn't have, I, it, just, <laughs> it just happened. You know what I mean? And at that point I educated myself and started to like really um, develop that and start dropping my own music. I was like, at this point, I might as well run into it. Before I was doing music, I used to um, do video edits and stuff. I was like really into like, cause I'm really into like syncing things together. And so I found a lot of passion into that. And so I, I went from there to like now doing my own stuff, now making my own music and dropping it out. And so like, I'm gonna say um, in like 2015, 2016, I was releasing music. If you look back on my SoundCloud, you'll actually find a compilation um, project called the, um, the Pursuit. And there's one song on there that I actually, to this day still perform, it's called On The Brink. It was like my encouragement track. But um, yeah, it was way back then, almost 10 years now, almost. We're getting there. <laughs> is it kind of wild to you when, you know, maybe a track like that still makes it its way into the, the set and maybe how those words feel different to you now than when you wrote them 10 years ago and how lyrics maybe change their, their meaning over time? Well, no, because to me at that time, the music that I was making was a reflection of what I was seeing and what I was living through and like what I believed I would be doing. You know what I mean? I've always like prided myself in like manifesting my next steps, manifesting my vision, manifesting my my role in life. So it, it doesn't surprise me at all those songs still making the set because frequencies and energy are universal. Yeah. Those are timeless. Like I think of my music as like time capsules. Oh, here here was I at 2015, here was I at 2016. Just like on Instagram, you get these pictures of, oh, I was doing this, I was right, doing, this, right, I was doing right. this. Music is the exact same way, except you get to actually have the privilege of hearing my voice, hearing my sound. Um, getting an opportunity to hear what I sounded like at that time, you know what I mean? Like, that's a blessing to me. And being able to perform it now at an older age and still push that message and see people, like, relate to it, crazy. <laughs> when this next record drops, I probably won't be performing, like, my old, old music anymore. Yeah. Like, because I'm like, it, it is getting to a point where I'm like, oh, this is an old time capsule. Let me put it in a box. And yeah. <laughs> put it away, you know what I mean? But, um, no, like, I think for me, being able to play songs that are old and it really relates to people, just like it makes me feel excited i'm like wow this song still is hitting to this day yeah this song yeah. still relates to people to this day bet i made something great you know what i mean yeah for sure i mean it's it's cool too that you have the excitement to perform something that you wrote 10 years ago when you're early on and in, in kind of you know getting this thing going for yourself so. absolutely and there's songs like i'm like extremely picky so like i'll say like this the seven songs that are released on that project aren't like they're like, oh, I made a hundred songs and this song was great. Like I make okay. hella songs and then put out. It's not just I dropped anything or like these are like solid musical tracks. You know what I mean? Like there are great songs that I curated and worked on over and over again. Like I'm very picking on releases. Like if you look at my catalog, I don't be dropping hella. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when I drop, it's with extreme intent, it's with extreme purpose. We're, we're pushing out a message. We're pushing out like a persona, like. I dropped the song King of the Nine just to let people know I think I'm the King of the Nine. You know what I mean? And I dropped the Legacy song before King of the Nine, even though, so I wrote King of the Nine first. And then I was like, dang, I kind of want to like intro this idea of being the King of the Nine before I drop it. So I dropped Legacy with Kung Fu Grip from Seattle. And I say in it, and I'm the one, the one too far behind. Follow me, I'm your King of the Nine. And that was just me like implanting the idea of me being King of the Nine before I dropped the King of the Nine song. I do things with extreme intention, extreme dates. Like we plan out our dates like 
everything yeah. is like planned out like crazy in advance. So. For sure. So you'll like sit on tracks for a while too and really make sure that they're, they're hitting for you. Record, this, this next EP, yeah. we've been developing it for three years. They're three years developing the sound. Used to run out for them bands. Now I just collect the check in advance. And I'm the one, the one to get behind. Follow me, I'm your king, king of the night. I feel no other man who be like I Jango that nigga, release the life. Hold on. Try still, jump it on the side. Whoa. Five oh, curly can be in the nine. There ain't no way for me to go where high. So I just rise. And they said it's impossible, mission impossible, too many obstacles. No, no. I get the gas and I'm gone. They get the optional. Whoa, whoa. How they gon' talk like they know me, but don't be my language. Whoa. Legacy, legacy, legacy. This is so dangerous. And they said it's impossible, mission impossible. Is that difficult for you at all to like have that new music kind of just sitting around and not being able to share it? Or are you pretty good about being patient with the releases? And- I think right now, especially with what was going on with COVID, yeah. it was important for me to be patient. Um, I dropped a three track little. Uh, record uh, called Expresso yeah, and Shine love, love those tr- in tracks, 2020 yeah. just to kind of give people a little capsule of what I was going through during COVID. I thought it was important to kind of explain that. It's it's slightly representative of like what's going on next with this next project, but it's not entirely. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't give you the punk rock and hip hop blend. You know, what I'm it's a little different for sure. And so, um, there was times where it kind of bugged me, like, oh, people don't really know where I'm at. People are still talking about legacy. People are still talking about alone by choice. People still think I sing. Like, no, I'm like rapping, rapping, and I do it <laughs> at a crazy level, right? But again, like everything happens with intention. Like this, this, this energy that we're trying to push out, we're already doing the high energy sets, and I want to make sure when my music drops, it correlates with that. So to get. I'd rather do things right than do it right now. Yeah, you know man. what I mean? I'm big on that. Yeah, dude. Your pocket and your rhythm with the delivery is just really fucking great. And uh, you brought Rehearsals up- three times a week, man. Yeah. Well, five times because we do three stage rehearsals and then I do two um, vocal or like outdoor rehearsals. So I'll like run and rap my lyrics to the stuff like that. Yeah. Just to like be like. So it's point. fucking like it's training. Yeah, yeah. That and I was so when it comes to timing, I was in band. I've been in band. I was in band um from fifth grade on all the way to like ninth grade. So like my timing is crazy. Playing what? Like um I play trombone, trumpet, and I can play flute. I started to dabble in the saxophone, yeah. but by then I was in high school and band was the cool thing. For sure. It's kinda cut out. You know what I mean? <laughs> but that that's like what you attribute you think a lot to, you know, where you are as a rapper, um, as far as like being able to dive deep into the pockets and stay in rhythm, like Absolutely. goes back to learning those instruments and learning Absolutely. how to play with a band. And- yeah. I think that's like really allowed me to like have a very unique timing and like to be able to like be on like a completely different flow of rhythm than like most rappers can do. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think most rappers, I think some of their flows and, and, and patterns come from what they're influenced by other rappers, but I'm able to like really hear a beat and find pockets yeah. that aren't even like there for most people. You yeah, know what I mean? mean? Moonshine off that espresso. Oh my gosh. Collection of songs is, is one of my favorite jams of yours. And, and just the, the production on that one, like it feels like it's, it's warped at times or like yeah. it's dragging a little bit yeah. and the way that you find your place in there is, yeah. uh, is one of my favorites. Of yours. That is a personal favorite song for me. Um, when we dropped the record, that three-song tape, we chose not to allow that to be the single because we didn't want 
the, 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 the message to be changed. I didn't want to derail the whole high energy thing. But Moonshine and some of the more intimate songs or some of like my personal things, like the songwriting on there, to me, some of the best things I like written, you know what I mean? But um, on my next, so I did tell you I got one record, but I will tell you that I actually got two records. All Not right, gonna okay. hold you. And <laughs> one of the records has a lot more of the like moonshine type of like song, more melodic, very like interpersonal. It shows a totally different side of me that I um, typically do not like reveal or show, you know what I mean? I was taught to always love my neighbor. Then I know that love can be dangerous. Old friends turn strangers. Same time that I stop doing favors. Time don't stop with erasers. I put all my time in my labor. And I'm straight to the point like a taper. Many things sent to me nature. Took a look around, but I waver. Lord, I need you, my savior. And when it comes to the the writing itself, are you someone that always likes to write to the beat that things are going to happen for? Or do you like to make the beat work for you in some ways and, and try to figure out how you can, uh, you know, insert what you've already written into a, so, a beat that you find? I'll tell you, I'm fairly all-inclusive. Like, I'm very inspired by environments. I'm very inspired by, like, new things. So... After this, I'll probably write, you'll probably say something that'll make me write one line that I'll probably end up finishing by tonight and write a whole thing about this experience. And I have a producer who's very efficient at creating, so I can literally lay down a hook and we can wrap a beat around that. You know what I mean? So we do that. On the general side, if I'm in sessions and we haven't like just created, like we'll create the beat and then da 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 da. Or we'll like, we spend so much time together, man. We'll be in the studio, I'm like, yo. Have you seen this movie? No, let's watch 20 minutes of this movie and then create a beat based on how we felt about that movie. Yeah. Like we made this one called Black Samurai and it's literally inspired by, um, you ever watched the um, animated television show, um, uh, Afro Samurai? Familiar, but don't, not, At least not Samurai like, Jack. I haven't seen it, but I know, I know what you're talking you about. you seen Samurai Jack? I, I've seen like very minimal okay. amounts of this, but I do know, okay. what you're, I know what you're referencing. So we, we would watch like, and they're like 20 minute animated, uh, Episodes. I'm like, yo, watch episode 103 right now. Let's watch it, and then boom, we're like, let's watch, let's watch, let's create the score for this shit right yeah, now. You yeah. know what I mean? And so, like, our creative process is just more of like a very open flow. It's very um, emotional bit based and how we're feeling at the time. We just kind of like, because we have the skill and capability to do so. So we basically just work off of how we're feeling. You know what I mean? If that answers your question. No, I love that. I love that. You know, that you just look to other art to inspire yeah. what you're doing or I, I think personally and i think that's a, a great way to do it just be inspired by what's around you you know what i mean whether that just be like yo it's raining today let's put rain yeah. on the freaking doll and then build the beat around the rain and build based off of how we're feeling seeing this yeah. right now or like you know whatever what I mean? bullshit you heard somebody yeah. over over talking like talking about and over so in the corner and you catch i catch think a line. people who kind of and people don't realize this because they'll never think of it this way because it's like their creative process right but i think when you 
put yourself in a position of like, oh, I, I can only write when there's a beat there, or I got to start with the hook. Or da, da, da. You've now boxed yourself in right, to a right. position to where you'll never really grow outside of that. There are so many different environments, LA, Chicago, so many different places where people have completely different processes. So because of that and aware of that, like I've opened myself up to be able to do anything. That's why you get the most efficient music. That's how you're able. That's how you're able to create at like all times. Like I want to be able to create in all environments. Yeah. I think the best hip hop artist, a rapper, or MC, master at ceremony, is a person who can create in all productions, all different styles. Is able to put his imprint on all different things. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm trying to set myself up for. Yeah. And do you uh, like to give any focus to to creating beats or any production of that level? Or do you like to kind of just focus on the craft of rapping and writing and just being the best you can at that? I've definitely opened myself up to production side. I think, again, like the MC is someone who like, so the rappers, I don't want to put it like this, but I think the rappers who can't create their own productions, you're not actually able to craft your sound. You're leaving it to somebody else to craft your sound. You know what I mean? Which to me, like, my stuff is so intricate that I really, like, I take pride in the idea of being able to craft not just, like, my words or lyrics, but the whole sound. Like, I hear the sound, I visualize what it looks like, all of that. So why not? Why not dab into the production? And so far, I haven't done anything, embodied a whole production for myself and released it. I'm still playing with that because I wanted to match the level at which I do rap. I wanted to match the level at which I do write. So my producers like definitely like kind of allowing me to be more hands on and learning with him and kind of like shadowing under him. But I'm not there quite yet, but I definitely will dabble. Yeah, I would just imagine that's always going to make you a better artist and yeah. a better rapper too, yeah. having some understanding of that and maybe yeah. not always feeling like there has to be somebody else in the room to facilitate your idea come into life. Because not whatnot. only that, because like think about this. It's the same thing with like music videos. I want to be able to have some efficiency behind a camera and a video understanding language because if I can do that right. now I can communicate with my videographer absolutely producing now I can communicate with my producer the Moonshine song we we um we made five records and I was moody the whole time which I was a pain in the ass to Ben Sway my producer which he's a top 10 charting billboard metal producer you know what I mean and here he is dealing with me I'm being moody like no this isn't right cut it let's go a different beat he's like really I'm like this isn't it it doesn't feel right I don't I, I'm not saying I don't like it I'm just saying it's not what I imagine in my head it doesn't feel eerie enough it doesn't feel dark enough it doesn't express how I'm feeling right now and so I want to be able to make a shell shell as in like I want to be able to like create the the initial sounds for then me to send to my producer and him evolve that into right. what I want you know what I mean so those are definitely goals for me same thing with my videos I want to be able to like get exactly the vision that I want period I want this angle bro yeah. I want this da, 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 da. no I think you're absolutely right like when you can start communicating on a level with the people you're working with that like actually makes sense and yeah. you're not just asking for nonsense that yeah. that isn't like even achievable but like when you really know what you what you're looking for because what people aren't like necessarily like thinking about is like everyone's their own person we're all influenced by other things so when you leave the vision of your work to someone else's hands you now have the you run the risk of allowing that person to make your stuff look like somebody else's stuff that they're inspired by 
and now your whole brand, potentially, right, your brand could be skewed to look like this other person's brand unintentionally because you had someone else who's inspired by this person, also loves you, but they like how this stuff looks. So you look like this guy now. Absolutely. I don't want that. I want to be the prodigy. I'm, I'm my own person, my own look, my own vision, my own style. It's never been seen before, never been heard before. How do we represent that? For sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I appreciate it. Just like your attention to detail on that period oh my god my manager her attention to detail for my brand my attention to detail my business manager's attention to detail my freaking dj the lights guy all of us we're like deeply involved to this brand we deeply believe in what we got here we deeply believe we are carving a path for ourselves as far as the the amount of energy that you're able to bring to a show is it ever difficult for you to turn that on like if you're just you know, having a day where you're not you're not feeling super energetic or up. Is it always easy for you to, to flip that switch when it's time to get on stage? Yes, because I have a team who's never going to let me fall. You know what I mean? My, my manager will never let me hit rock bottom, period. I can be going through the worst day, and she will never let me freaking fall. My team always has my back. For sure. That, and we have this little thing. Um, well, we have two things. One, hashtag do your job, and then two, hashtag playoff mentality so i have a big thing about <laughs> separating yeah. personal from business or personal from my brand i like most people do not know my personal name all that stuff most people like most of my team has never been to like my family's house or like met like and it's not because like i don't trust them or anything it's just i truthfully want to keep things separate until i get to a point where I, like let's just start meshing like i love you guys that much. you know what i mean 100 <laughs> i got to uh i got to talk a little bit with Riker this morning just about you and one of the things that she brought up was your drive yeah and yeah. just how infectious that is for the people around you where do you think that that drive derives from you know have you always been like that even as a as a little kid was it yeah. kind of this thing where you would get into something and you would just always want to do it to the you know to the highest degree or did that come with time one, I got to first attribute, there's two people in my life who really kind of embody that into me. One would be my mother. Um, my mom and dad split. I must have been around five or six. And me and my brother, we ended up living with my mom. And so I watched my mom. She was like 23, 24, like around my age right now, right? Yeah. Like embodying this, like going to college and working and having two children at the same time, like making it happen and never, not once. I didn't see her cry until I was like, like, like 12, 13, 14, like until I was like aware and I would say something, mom, how are you feeling? And then she, ugh. she never, not once ever showed us like how difficult it was. And so reflecting back on that, when I became a man, I started to embody that. I was like, anytime I go through a struggle or a tough time, I'm like, yo, you know what your mom did to break you here? You know why you're here, bro? Yeah, yeah. You no know fucking excuse. You know what your mom would do? My mom would get two hours of sleep. When I got like 15, 16, or like 14, 15, 16, um, we're here in Spokane, right? We moved from Bremerton over to uh, Spokane. Actually, I was like 12. Moved to uh, Spokane. And I moved with my grandparents. My mom stayed in Seattle because she had a great job. She was making it happen. Duh, 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 duh. And um, she would come and see us every weekend, every Friday, Saturday, Sunday. She would drive over here. And that's back when the pass wasn't finished. Yeah. So it was like a six and a half that's hour a drive. drive every weekend to come see us, bro. And so just like reflecting on that shit, I was like, yo, there's never a time I, I'm going to say the words I can't do. I'm going to say I'm going to find a way. I'm going to find a way. If I can't find a way, what's the next best thing? Yeah. 
I'll never say I couldn't do something. No, no, this didn't work out, so we did this. You know what I mean? And so she was one of the person people who helped embody that enemy. And then my grandfather, from like the age of like 10 on, um, I got to live with my grandparents while my mom was, because she started to work a job that was very demanding. And she wanted us to have like a normal kind of like household, kind of like the mom, father figures. So I lived with my grandparents while I went to school to like really get that positive Yeah, energy. so there was some, yeah. someone home every day when yeah, you came some, home from school. Yeah, just some attention to detail, the lunch, the yeah. dinner. Like my yeah, mom couldn't some do structure. That. Yeah, 100%. That's what she wanted for us. She wanted us to grow to be men with the father figure. And so my grandfather ended up being that man. Not that my dad wasn't in the picture, but again, he's in he's in the army, and it was just different. It, it just he lived in Texas. We seen him when we could, you know what I mean. But my grandfather really, um, he shaped us up to be some like well mannered, well straightforward, well like to the point, direct man. You know what I mean. There's no sugarcoating shit. It's like yo, if you if you can't do it now, you will in the future. You know what I'm saying. If at first you don't succeed, keep trying, keep working at it. Find your errors, correct it, correct it, correct it until you are that person. So I'm a person of like, I don't fail. I, I, I find areas of opportunities. You know what I mean? And that's that's my biggest thing. Between my mom, the optimism that she gave us and the encouragement that you can do anything. And my grandfather is stern, direct. Yo, hit it hard. Be straightforward with the world. Take it by the balls and yeah. just hit it. Like that, that really encouraged me to just be the strongest, the best, the quickest, the fastest person that I could be you know what I mean yeah you got the, the best of those Pit. both both worlds so it's the hybrid version of that where you're no, just absolutely. like unafraid to go after what you want to go after absolutely. but also know that the the hard work is what's going to like get you there and not being afraid of, of trying new things and not only that now into the today's age right um having a team like having a manager and record who like truly believes in me it's like how could I not do it it doesn't uh, matter if these people don't believe me because there's so many different markets right I could go to so like for an example, we're in, um, gosh, I just kind of hopped onto this tour with Pell. And where were we at? Oh, we did the Seattle show. So two weeks before I did the show with Pell, I'm doing a show with Sam Wachow. And it's a packed out venue in Numos. Um, I just did a song with Sam Wachow, Merchandise, has over 200,000 streams. So everyone's loving me. Everyone's loving Sam. It's freaking <laughs> crazy. I'm the opener, but I'm stage diving. It's that fucking nuts, Hell right? Yeah. And so fast forward two weeks later, I pick up this show for Pell, which I always wanted to do, but it was like the last second, so I didn't get any time to promo. I get there, and there's only like 30 people. It didn't bug me none, because I have my team who was like literally here, like we drove here together. I remember that. My, my manager drove six hours just to get me there. So I'm gonna give my all, period. Doesn't matter if there's one person in the room or 100. I'm gonna go fucking nuts, because my team helped me get here. We made this happen. So regardless if anybody else sees it, we see it. We know what we're doing. We're going to make the most of it every freaking time. Yeah, period. man. You're still tapping into that energy for yourself, period. too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, like, what people be, like, what artists be getting confused with is they think every show is supposed to be, like, the home game. They're supposed to think every show is supposed to be, like, the best freaking moment <laughs> in life. Certain shows, it's just like anime. It's why I actually watch anime. Like, certain shows build you up for certain things. I might have, this show is a good practice to learn a couple techniques, you know, like, try some different new things that might work for the next show. You know what I'm saying? So I take every show with a different perspective. What's the goal here? We set a goal. Okay, let's hit that goal and move on to the next one. Move on to the next one. You know what I mean? So we're really big on like separating like our emotional thing and not expecting every show to be like this 
insane moment. Like, I don't take the shows to feed myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? I take the shows to grow and get to that next step. You mentioned earlier that Alone by Choice is, you know, just hitting the five-year anniversary yeah. of that. And Choices, <laughs> yeah. Choices is one of my favorite tracks oh my off, that, off that record. I was just curious kind of how you... You feel like five years removed from that record, looking back on, on that and that process, where does that, that sit with you now? Um, alone by choice, the goal of that project was to, one, grow as an artist, kind of find my own like path, kind of find like where I belong, not only in the region, but in the USA, like who am I, who is Django, what he's about. And so um, that, was more of like training grounds for me. It really allowed me to kind of step into the industry, understand what's going on here. What is it really like to be an artist full time? What is it like to kind of like start to separate from my peers, have people's opinions from friends who knew me as somebody else, now accepting me as Django, some people not accepting me and having to deal with both of those sides, deal with like feeling like, damn, why don't you share my shit? You're my homie, why don't you like support this? I've known you for like eight years. Where are you? I got people who don't know me coming and calling me wild and like coming to every show. I can't even get my friends to go. So I reflect on that and I smile because I learned so much. I was able to grow. I had a lot of like, I used to be emotional, man. I used to be like, yo, why, like, where is everybody? What's going on? But now like, I like, I like value being able to go into a room, no one know who I am and then walk out like, holy fuck. I didn't yeah, expect man. that shit at all. You know what I mean? Because that shit's like even more impactful when you know it's like a bunch of people that didn't know you and yeah. they walk away with yeah. that I good experience. That. You know? I eat that. I used to like, I used to, I reflect on it now. During a moment by choice when I dropped it, I was a people pleaser. Some of the records even were kind of like carved into shape into like how I thought people would like music. Okay. What I thought the people would like. These next records is what I personally truthfully like, and I know there's a whole demographic. I know there's people. I know exactly who would like my music. Yeah, for sure. I know, I know who I curate with. I know the artists I want to work with. I know why I want to work with them. I know exactly how it shaped my brand. Back then, I didn't know that shit. I just knew I just wanted to make music. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody gotta die, not too many live Lit from all of the drugs, I ain't remember shit Alcoholic, rotting my liver She was once pure than water till I parted a river yeah. Yeah. Women lie, niggas lie too When I'm not rapping, I'm whipping in the coop Hustle for the money Some y'all niggas talk to talk and then be walking funny Scared niggas, I dared niggas to do something High school, you was the man, how'd you get to nothing? Reminiscing back to simple days Lie, why you let my nigga fade away? Yeah Memory, I was be safe with me, nigga. I ain't perfect. I'm just hoping somebody pray for me, nigga. I deserve it. I've been working so hard to slay to these niggas. Now I'm unchanged, so alone, but not afraid. Seen the light of butter shade. It gotta be the way, you gotta be the way. Hey, everybody, just wanted to take a quick minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 Pub, located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland. They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall with over 200 bottles. Muscles and Fritz are on the menu. Their cheeseburger is lights out, and they've always got some killer weekly specials as well. Aside from the menu items and beverages, they've got this awesome covered patio that is heated throughout the fall and winter with a bunch of big screens to watch all your favorite sports. And the best part is they have DJs playing tunes there every Tuesday night from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. and Sundays 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. 
So come through North 45 Pub for some tunes and some food. Let's get back to the episode. Well, it's cool, man, because I think that you can see the growth you know like yeah. you you when you step into that espresso collection of tunes you can hear yeah. the growth between that and alone by choice yeah. and i thought like, the espresso and shine thing was a bold choice you know what i mean because again it was it was very more it was more um let's say like dc than marvel you know what i mean okay Where yeah. if you ever watch like the justice league like their movies is more like indie film versus like marvel which is like bigger than fucking life a lot of freaking after effects and like huge just like whoa that's crazy type of shit but there's some vibey about that espresso group of tunes that like taps into something new to so do you find like maybe not even each record but like do you find with each song that you're kind of like revealing something to yourself about the process and and yeah sharing something about myself to people or like I'm, i'm utilizing that as like a growth period so like Dropping Espresso and Shine was like kind of like a test. Like, can I drop music that's more personal to me that people can relate to? How far does that go? Like, how does the PNW market feel about me doing this versus yeah. like the legacy or the merchandise joint, which I knew merchandise would hit. I knew like based off of like my experience in Seattle, based off of my experience in Spokane, people would love a futuristic funk song. They would they right. would eat it. People love EDM here. People love the 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 grunge, the punk rock, and people love hip hop with like a story to tell. You yeah, know what I mean? Man. And I think just in general, like it seems like it's more common than ever for just anyone to enjoy all types of music. Yeah. You know, it's Absolutely. not so boxed into like, oh, you only listen to this or like any and like you see that, uh, you know, the representation of this festival is like a bunch of different kinds of music. Any yeah. big festival you go to yeah. now, it's almost all like a, all genres of music yeah. opposed to one because people do like to go outside into different things. Which I think is a beautiful thing, man. I um, I first like the first thing that I say when I d- try to find my sound is like I am a genre bender. You know what I mean? Which I think is like extremely exciting to say and like realize because I, I was one of those kids who grew up listening to like Avenged Sevenfold, but then right after that, I got a 50 Cent song coming out, <laughs> you know what I mean? I go from the change to one of like headbang a while out. And growing up, I was in second grade. I have my best friend Isaiah Tangsley, and we're supposed to be reading books and using these headphones to listen to it on an audio book thing that you put in a cassette or a CD, and it'll, it'll, it'll read the book out to you while you're reading it yeah. in your headphones and stuff. So my friend's like, shh. He puts on the reanimation Lincoln Park CD and it blew my fucking mind. I'm hearing rockers accompanied with Mike Shinoda rap right, and rock right. and, and utilize hip hop productions to make a record I'd never heard before. And that's what got me into like rock music. That's what got me really into like hip hop and rock at the same yeah, time. Yeah, for like, sure. You know what I mean? I think it also helped that like, you know, Jay Z, one of the greatest MCs of all time, is the guy who supports that project obviously because he's yeah. a part of it so yeah. it's not just like not only, some random well, yeah, no, rapper so they, that you don't really know no, 100%. it's like the best rapper at that time 100%. is like this is what i'm about right now and i'm about like trying to expose people to different styles and, of and music that kind of blew my mind because like the random reanimation cd didn't necessarily have uh jay-z but following that they had a collision core cd which was right. jay-z and Lincoln park yeah and jay-z as you heard before was one of the first rappers i heard so for me to like be exposed to this and go around and be like, holy shit, Jay Z, you rock with him? Right. Right. Oh, like I'm like, yo, I'm in the exact place yeah, I need man. to be. Like, 
that collision course was like was next level and next uh, fucking level but yeah that that reanimation album though was also like very different from like what Linkin Park was doing before, yes. and they were exper- like doing a lot of experimental yes. shit. So it's cool but that that got, like you infected Mike you. Mike Shinoda, because like he also did the, he did the side project, the Fort Minor, Fort Minor, yeah, which was fucking filthy too. Yeah. But like when you got Mike Shinoda, hip hop MC who also does the production, you're blessed. Like Linkin Park's a special thing. You don't usually get like. The, the producer who also likes hip-hop and really dives into that world. Like, most rock guys, like, oh, they grew up together in a band. Duh, duh, we all like to rock out with our yeah. songs out. And <laughs> one of the guys is a writer. He's usually not even the singer. What's up, my boy? Hey, you coming? You going to see me uh, uh, tonight, 1030? No way. <laughs> Come see me tomorrow. Skate for it. Oh, you're doing skate for it tomorrow? Yeah, skate for it. I'm about to wild the fuck out of skate for it. Oh, dude. I, yeah. We should yeah. be we should be over there then. Um, one of my favorite things that you uh, that you did last like in recent months. I don't know if it was tail end of last year or the beginning of this year. You did that uh, that video where you're just like rapping inside Delish. You do that freestyle. Oh, Delish, yeah. Delish freestyle. Dude, that shit <laughs> yeah. is killer. Like, yeah. is that? Does that feel like I don't know pushing creative bounds for you? Even doing something like that. Um, not necessarily. That was like, cause like I'm I'm really big on songwriting. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've I've I'm getting to a point where I'm trying to write for not just myself but for other people and for other like I'm doing a lot of like trying to write for sync and stuff like that. So this was an opportunity to kind of like show like my writing capabilities and how far I, I can branch out. I can go outside of my own like brand and do something that could be cool for the community. And not only that, on a personal level. This was another yes for me. I got to work with another company, man, in Spokane. It was another nod that like, yo, we see you. We respect what you're doing as a brand, and we're going to support this, and let's branch this out to the people. Let's do something for the city. And so anytime I get an opportunity to do something for the city and, like, other people want to get involved and help me do it or, like, they want to be like, I support your brand. Let's do something. I'm head over heels, man. It's, It's something to be independent and have other companies, other businesses with, like, Millions of dollars look at you and go, we're going to support you. Yo. Yeah, man. You know what I mean? But it's also dope that they weren't just like, hey, take a picture with the cheeseburger. Like, uh-uh. let's do something different. Uh-uh. You know, you they just go in. They presented me. They, they hit me and was like, yo, we want you to, like, do something that, like, the youth will like. Yo, yeah. would you, like, do your thing? Would you rap on something and do, like, yeah, include Delish? I was like, what the? And they let me do two different freestyles, like, one for them and one for me, myself, <laughs> which was filthy. You know what I mean? Yo, yo, I got to be in the yo, building and be a ghoul. What's and, like, going on, baby? <laughs> Look, can I order? We good? All right, I'm do something special. Can we do that? Check me out. So I need a delish double, please hold the cheese in the side of your fries. Well done, crispy. And I heard you got a sauce y'all be calling special. Throw that in my bag and we can test this level. Now my homie wants a burger stacked high to the ceiling. So that Monster 4X looking mighty appealing. Little shawty she can eat, but really she want dessert. So that ice cream shake vanilla flavor should work. Whoa. Honestly, I can't decide. Should I get the chicken sandwich or the chicken and fries? It's a really hard decision when it's all delicious. You know what? Just remember that you did that shit before Pusha T did the Arby's commercial. I don't know if you've seen that shit. Yeah, he just did this Arby's fish fish sandwich commercial, dude. Yeah, but we're talking about Pusha T, right? Yeah. Pusha T made the McDonald's jingle. You know that, right? No, I didn't. He did the ba da ba ba ba. He wrote that shit. Like, 
20 years ago. <laughs> so I, I can't beat Pusha T. Pusha T's in a league of his own. But I didn't even know he did the Arby's bar. I, to check I just that out. saw that the other day. He's it's, out here really trying to make money. God yeah, dang. He's I'm, just killing it with this fish sandwich joint. God. <laughs> See, I'm vegan right now. Um, it's my New Year's resolution to be vegan for the first three months. Education, health thing. But at the end of March, which is like in a couple of days, yeah. I'm about to uh, go back to chicken and fish that's it i'm done with pork i'm done with beef i'm done with all that um one because pork is disgusting the way the industry treats the pigs and stuff is just freaking terrible i've it's weird i don't know if you're like ever aware of like how social media and like how like tv like stuff works but like it really seems like once you like get into an idea of something or you say something or you like think of something it kind of like pops up on your phone so I started getting all these, like, I was like, I'm vegan now. I started getting all these, like, freaking <laughs> yeah. um, pages and stuff about, like, awareness of veganism. And then all these, like, videos that are, like, talking about the food industry and how they treat animals. And I was like, holy shit. Like, like why are you guys doing this to Propaganda me? Propaganda everywhere. I never go back. Like, Netflix documentaries. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, dude. yo, this shit is you're crazy. Deep, you're deep into it. <laughs> I'm too deep now. I could never go back. And, and when it comes to beef, like, one cows are kind of cute. You know what I mean? They seem harmless. <laughs> And um, the Impossible and Beyond Meat burgers are so good. Like, I personally can't tell the difference. Me personally. You can put some schmack and seasoning on that stuff. It's kind of like we're in there. We're in the pocket. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> well, I love your music, but I also love real cheeseburgers. So I don't know if I'm ready. No, to, you I, do I don't you. know if I'm ready to get in the vegan game yet, Django. Not only, but, not uh, only what made being vegan. What's up, baby? How you doing, man? How you doing, good to see Hey, you going to see me tonight? Okay, you very short with the camera too, man. We gotta get round two. We gotta get round two. Last, last oh, yeah. year, I, I met him last year. He was just photographer. Up, I'm Dan. I'm Ben. Nice to meet you. He he was just shooting last year, and at the end of the show, he was like, "Yo, I don't know what's going on. But all the photos came out like blurry, <laughs> so we didn't get any photos." So round two, baby. Round two. This time, I'm just gonna fuck it. Say flash. Put on the flash. Yes. Do flash it. Flash is life. Flash makes everything Flash is exciting. <laughs> it makes it feel timeless. Like, what time was that? You know what I mean? Like, 100%. Good I'll seeing you, let, you, baby. I'll let you guys go. Take Bless care, man. Me. Yeah. Bless me. Well, fuck, man. I appreciate your, uh, you know, just your energy and just Thank getting you. some insight into your process. It makes me really excited about the, the music that you're going to be, you know, Thank putting you. out in the future. Like I said, uh, I, I thought you showed a lot of growth just in between the... Uh, Alone by Choice record and and the recent music that you've put out over the last year or so is the just the bop merchandise. The freaking anyway, if y'all have not heard that shit, merchandise is a goddamn yep. bop. We're playing. We're gonna play the. We're gonna play the episode out with, please, with merchandise please. for sure. That's gonna be how we're gonna close this thing out. And I'll put all the links in the episode notes so please. people can keep up with you and what you're doing. Also, I want to give a quick shout out to um, a good friend of mine, Tezza Talks. She's actually gonna be performing right before me at the Reef. Um, she's an amazing person. She's actually going on tour with uh, Mur, a EDM producer, or yeah, EDM EDM pop producer. Okay. In like a Europe or something, I don't know. Freaking huge. I'm saying all that to say, me and Tezza will be going on a small little show run, a small little tour, whatever, right. whatever you want to call it, in the fall. And I'm super excited to do that with somebody who like, um, me, her. Um, this artist named Nobi from Seattle and a couple other like really choice artists that is not on the top of my head. We've been really developing this sound. You know what I mean? It's a darker tone, more aggressive, um, hip hop, 
mixed in with the the rock, mixed in with the punk, mixed in with like the electro punk and yeah, shit man. like that. We've been really developing this town, and I'm super excited to like just be around other people who like see what I see. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, dude. So, it seems like it's really important for you to like bring it all into like all the music that you enjoy and 100%. Like, the energy of all those things is 100%. seems like it's just gonna be more and more present in what you're doing. So. Thanks for giving me some of your time, man. Dan, it's been, thank you for blessing been fucking guy. cool to, to chop it up with you. And uh, we're definitely playing the episode out with merchandise, but we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which okay. is, it's a program. It's a program. <laughs> it's a program. So if we can get the Django, yeah. oh, oh. the Django, it's a program. We can oh, properly end this thing here at Tree Fort. All right, Tree Fort. All right, Boise. It's your boy, Jang the Goon, and it's a program. <laughs> you nailed it, everybody. That's Django out of Spokane, Washington, the Pacific Northwest upper left. And we are playing it out with merchandise. And that's the Jelly Jams. We will catch you on the flip side. Tree Fort, Boise, Portland. Spokane, wherever you listening from. Oh man. Keep your hands off the merchandise. This shit was hard for the working mind. I do not sympathize. Rich or poor, ain't no difference between the two but die. Now baby, tell me what the cost of life. Asking for a friend, I'm immortalized. The revolution will be televised. Hide the kids, hide your wife, man, you won't survive. Big shout out to Distro Kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to Distro Kid for their support. 
of this thing and make sure you go into the episode notes and find that distro kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership with distro kid making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you so make sure you take advantage of that and the link is also in uh the link in my instagram bio on the link tree so you can find it there as well big thanks to distro kid stay up stay tuned